Hello everyone, welcome to the Destination Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. Um, hope you're all doing well and such. Coming up on this week's show, we're going to be looking at the new albums from Code Orange, like the, the big one, uh, Haggard Cat, uh, Death Metal from Phalanx, uh, but we will start with a band called Pyogenesis. Um... They are. They hail from Germany. This is their eighth album. Their sound. There's a lot that goes into their sound, which I will get to. I promise. Um, it's just. I don't often get bands and artists on like. Well, I don't often talk about bands and artists on this podcast that have got much in the way of like a backstory. A lot of what I cover on here is very new, very uh, modern, and a lot of like newer bands that have only been around for a few years or just a couple of albums. So, to get an idea of, first of all, it's nice to like go back and have a look at Pyogenesis, um, how they end up getting here. But the sound that makes up their new album, which I don't know if I think I've called, uh, mentioned it, it's called A Silent Soul Screams Loud. To get an idea of the sound they've, um, they're using or they're doing, you kind of do have to go through the back catalog a little bit. So, uh, they began life in 1991, off in the ashes of a death metal band called I think it's called Inhuman Touch, um, whatever it was. Came from like an OG death metal band. They re- um, they formed Pyogenesis initially as a death metal band, and very, very quickly after they formed, they started incorporating more Doom elements and it became like a Death Doom sort of thing. But before their debut album came out, they went into a gothic metal tone, which they would end up becoming one of the early pioneers of the genre at large. So, yeah, they started off this like big, dramatic, gothic metal um proprietor of the genre at uh, 1998's uh, Mono or Will It Ever Be The I'll try again, it's a difficult word Mono or Will It Ever Be The Way It Used To Be uh, they started incorporating more punk rock into their sound and eventually became a bit more of a like, gothic punk sort of deal um, flicking through little bits I've kind of got an idea of like an early um or like a lower production AFI sort of thing. From that, they eventually, on 2002's um, She Makes Me Wish I Had a Gun, that is just a mad, mad blend of goth, of punk, and of pop rock. And a few years after that, in 2005, Pyogenesis would break up, and they wouldn't reform until 2014, from which, that point onwards, they have just been a maddening hodgepodge of all the genres that they've ever touched on, ever. So this is album number three since I've returned. Um, it's kind of, like, kind of like a steampunk trilogy that they've been working on. It's their first album with a brand new guitarist called Thilo uh, Schmidt or Thilo Schmidt. And yeah, so you have a song like Mother Bohemia, which is track number two. That opens with a big 
blast beat kind of rhythm and little dabbers of growl little dabbles sorry of the growl vocals here and there both in Mother Bohemia and will ever be the same you've got uh, a lot of the punk rock sort of, like the pop punk sort of stuff coming in through um, not High Old Times High Old Times is like a weird hard rock borderline glam rock glam metal kind of thing um, a lot of the punk actually in will I ever be the same as well I think um, but the, the biggest takeaway I got was a lot of the goth is still in that and a lot of that comes from the vocalist uh, Flo Schwartz who's been the band leader and like the sole um, the concurrent member throughout their inception he has just like one of the biggest most impactful uh, vocals he can hit some of the notes he hits aren't like horrendously high or aren't horrendously low but just the power he hits them and there's never like a judder like first take I did of this recording I couldn't say Mother Bohemia without like wobbling up on the throat he nails some of these like high um excuse me high energy notes with just ease if you go to I Can't Breathe the Plot prologue and um, the tail end of that is just him hitting like powerful note after powerful note after powerful note on the back is like twinkling uh ambience in the background so yeah i think a large part of what brought me into this album what kept like hooking me every time i like had it on the background or a lot of spare time so i'm always listening to music at the moment so just Whenever it's on, the thing that always like, caught my ear was always his, like, well, again, just his vocals. His, um, not so much the lyrics, but literally just the notes he can hit and how he sounds. It's hard to describe. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the, like, gothiness that is still retained in the band's sound largely comes from him. Uh, undoubtedly, though, this is a very pop metal kind of record um it's it's weird enough it still retains a like quite dirty distorted kind of guitar sound um and for me i've spent a while trying to pinpoint it it's kind of like that midpoint between when it becomes like a classic thrash or classic uh death metal album on like borderline with like an old uh, black metal sort of sound and the two bands are sort of compared it to like Dark Throne or Necromantian that sort of like really not tinny but not exactly high produced kind of uh, tone and yeah they use that that kind of like quite evil sound of guitar tone to make some like the most pop and like bombastic kind of guitar lyrics and like song moments that you can think of. I compared them in my head a lot to Avenged Sevenfold on the way that they could get those massive vocal hooks try again. Massive vocal hooks to work with a very dramatic sounding heavy metal. Um, and 
Yeah, I, th I really, really did enjoy this, purely because it is, it's easy, it's quite cheesy sounding music, um, because it has got an essence of glam to it. The song, High, high Old Times, um, yeah, that's just ridiculously um, borderline camp. It is like the hard rock, uh, glam rock kind of thing, like, Borderline, borderlines on the words like ACDC and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I find... <laughs> I can't not pity them, but... Because they started life as a... Um, a death metal, death doom sort of outfit. Um, they are registered on Encyclopedia Metallum. Which is a great resource for finding anything like... Meckle. Um The only problem with it is the core people who run it and use it are very elitist. So, unfortunately, on there, all their albums are just they bomb because they're not uber terrorized death metal anymore. Um, they experimented and liked the experiment and went along with them instead. So, it's a weird one. Um, so it's hard to find like a gauge on how each album has reflect them. But looking at other uh, reviews for a silent soul scream, a silent soul screams loud. Fuck me, that's hard. Um, a lot of people are picking up on the case of it is just in your face, very almost like arena rock with grittier guitars. Um, I do find it's quite weird that they end with a 14-minute prog-influenced song called The Capital. Um, feels a little bit out of place, I won't lie. And it is very much, to me, it feels kind of like my first prog song when you've got the like high-energy alt-rock start, a very idyllic, acoustic, folky sort of middle and then another big rock ending. You could have split them into three songs, and I think it would have fit the overall scope of the album a lot better. But again, they're they're not from the uh, research that I've been looking into. Pyjones says they're not a band who want to do things how someone else said. It was just like, well, let's try this. It works. We'll carry on. If not, we'll fuck it off and do something else. So. Yeah, big cheesy, big, um, very digestible, very fun. Uh, I don't even know what genre to put it under because there's just so much going on. We just call it pop metal, and I usually hate that term, but it is what it is. It's called A Silent Soul Screams Loud. So too many S's for my liking. And it's by a band called Pyogenesis. It's out now, and... Yeah, good clean fun. Good clean fun. I just spat over it. That's disgusting. Moving on then to a debut L LP, EP, from a band called Phalanx. P-H-A-L-A-N-X. Um, it's called Golden Horde. They are a very, very gritty um, death, metal, death metal band from Los Angeles. Um, lyrically specialised in like European and Asian history. But their biggest calling card for me was the fact they have a three-pronged 
vocal attack. You've got uh, lead vocalist, Kia, um, don't know why I'm struggling with this, Kia, Chira, Gilhurst, Gilchrist, sorry, that's why I'm struggling. Um, he does a lot like the high-end shriek sort of things, and for all intents and purposes, he is pretty much the lead vocalist. I've seen like some uh, videos and footage, and he is central point, and you can hear it as well in the music that there's, there's more shrieks that happen than uh, the other vocals, which you get to. You've got Josh Townsend, who is the bassist, also does more of a like punk rock kind of grunt. And the comparison that I made is uh, Phil Anselmo on Superjoint or Superjoint Ritual. That sort of like kind of snarly sort of um, shout, as it were. And then on guitars, you've got. Um, what's his name? Because I only wrote down half it because I'm a great lad. So his name is Sean Glaze. He is an absolute beautiful unit of a human. Um, and I call him beautiful because his uh, handle or his moniker on the lineup to Golden Horde again on the Cyclopedia Metallum is Lord Spew. And I think that's fucking wonderful. He's a guitarist. And he also deals with like the low end proper guttural death metal kind of vocal. And yeah, so they are the three ways that the band uh, vocally attacks their songs. And they bounce between them pretty regularly. And I think the mix that they have in that three pronged attack, they, they have done a very good job of it because it's easy. Like you look at a lot of the like deathcore bands that came out um in the 2000s and the way they were trying to like smash these high like black metal shrieks with like, these low guttural's and you'd have the bands that made it work and they were the ones that carried on so bands like uh, suicide silence uh job for a cowboy um oh, what's the band that eddie Hamid eddie Hamid used to be in so all shall, all shall perish and then you had the ones that we don't talk about anymore, which just did not do it right. They just wanted to smash so many things happening at once. But the way they sort of like intertwine these three vocals together, they've done it super good, um, super well. I've seen like little, again, little videos and little snippets of what they're doing as well. And they work quite flawlessly in a live setting on like actually listening to it. And I'll fucking I keep punching my microphone. In essence, they are, like I said, so you've got uh, Jira, who is like front and centre. He's often the lead in a vocal, and then he gets backed up by the grunts of Josh, and then just underneath, just that bellowing uh, guttural from Lord Spew, as I will give him his pro proper moniker. And then, yeah, oftentimes I like switch up, and then it still seems... A, befitting of the band, B, working well together as a unit. And, yeah, I got quite um, intrigued that finding it, and that was, like, the, the major point that they put into a lot of the bio was that it was a three-pronged uh, death metal attack. And, yeah, it, could, it was something that could have easily been done really, really shit, but I think they've done the cracking job of it. Uh, musically... I find that it touches a lot of different genres. Um, so it like it like 
etches on. It's very much a death metal kind of album, but it just etches on the world of like brutal death metal. There's um, a lot of time change that makes you think sometimes it goes a little bit techy. There's quite a lot of crust because of um, Kira and Josh's vocals. Um, but yeah, it still retains a very through and through death metal kind of sound. And one final thing I'll say for it is the production on this album is fucking mint. I am. Um, I said before that I am a big fan of uh, extreme metal bands or extreme metal albums, excuse me, with uh, high levels of production and very crisp production to make it sound very modern. I'm never really a big fan of like this lo-fi, old-school way of doing extreme metal. But this ticks all the boxes for me. It is... As much as you can't understand... Will you lot fuck off? This is meant to be a lockdown! As much as you cannot understand a word they say because they are just screaming bloody murder in your head. Um, and I do... I, they haven't got it on Metallum, but I'd love to read the lyrics, especially if they are very um, history-based kind of lyrics. You can identify... Um, who's singing, the parts that have been played, how they're intertwined with the music, um, the fucking riffs that Mr. Lord Spew will uh, throw out there. Um, I don't think there's much else to say apart from the fact that Phalanx is a very um, interesting and very encouraging blend of, or a, attack proponent of uh, death metal. Um, the EP is only 16 minutes long, and yet I kind of got a lot of vibes of um, Job for a Cowboy as if they were fronted by Mitch Lucker. Only if somehow they split Mitch and his vocal patterns three ways. Um, yeah, I think one for the future in Phalanx and definitely something to be excited by for the future of Death Metal. Especially if they do like a very revised... Um, continue sorry they're very high production variant of death metal so yeah want to look for well, definitely want to give it yeah go in on if you are a big fan of death metal they are called phalanx p-h-a-l-a-n-x and the ep is called golden horde where's my mask on there we are moving on then to Haggard Cat, the former um, Heck side project, and is now the main deal for frontman Matt Reynolds and drummer Tom Marsh. They hails from Nottingham. This is their second proper studio album, and they do a very, a very heavy punk kind of sound, as I've described them. Although I don't think that does their sound enough justice. Having said that, I'm a bit of a hypocrite when it comes to Haggard Cat. Um, because they are a rock duo, I initially just kind of disregarded them. I threw them into the same boat as a band like Royal Blood or the Black Keys. And I don't like either of those bands, so I was just going like, they're going to do their thing over there. They're like a weird, like a pocket of... Um, alternative music fans really go ham on Royal Blood and Black Keys. I just thought it was like another one of those kind of bands. Um, 
definitely not. I think it's fair to say I listened to European Hardware and I fell in love with that song. It is a fantastic cracker of a song. And based on that, I kind of got really excited and kind of hyped for the album, which would become Common Sense Holiday. And if I'm honest, again, a lot of that excitement got dampened on the first listen. I listened to it on speakers on my phone, which probably aren't the best. And yeah, it just didn't sit with me the same way it was sitting with a lot of people and like the hype that the album was getting. Um, I initially just didn't see. I got European Hardware still. It's still a fantastic song, but everything else just sort of like blended into one. I wasn't feeling it. It really blew up for me with um, listening to it on headphones. Getting it on headphones, which is a weird thing to say for an album like this. Certain albums you can kind of understand listening to it on headphones and like taking it all in. Like a lot of post music albums. Um, I found a lot of electronica, a lot of prog, anything that Devon Towns has ever done ever. Having like a quite a rock and roll, heavy punk kind of thing, less so. So yeah, having it listened to it on headphones warmed so much in my opinion. I got way more into it. There's songs like Human Animal, which hit just as hard as European Hardware. Rational, which is completely away from everything else that the album does. It's like the quote-unquote ballad of the album, and I fucking adore that song. Um, it's a softer, more melodic side. Um, it plays with tempos, it plays with tunings. And yeah, I just think it's a fantastic song. Like I said, as well, Human Animal, got loads of rock and roll in there. Kind of like a hazy Ruben um, I was getting on. And I found myself like saying, oh, it's... And I saw another review compare bits of it to Pulled Apart by Horses, which I thought, fucking yes, great shout. Uh, I think it was The Natives and or Threads that I was listening to. I think this reminds me of Hawkeyes. I finally got to a point where this... The album kind of remain, reminds me or strikes me as like a best of British kind of album. You've got the best parts of Pulled, by, by, Pulled Apart by Horses, best parts of Hawkeyes, best parts of Reuben. And yeah, all that coming together just made for a much more enjoyable kind of thing for what I was getting at the start. And like I said, I don't know what it was that was um, picking me away from listening to it. I, it ends up being... A high energy, really, really proper rock and roll, summer vibes kind of album, which is annoying considering it's so beautiful outside and we can't go outside, which is sad. Um, and yeah, it's got all the power of hardcore punk with alternative rock, songwriting, and from that it results in party riffs, huge crowd choruses, which when we do go back outside and start doing shows again, they are going to just, I was going to say bomb, like what the, what the hip, cool expression, which is the complete opposite end of bomb, so excel, but that sounds too nerdy. They're going to do fantastically well in a um, crowd environment. And 
with the success that I've seen of bands like Royal Blood and Black Keys, which do tap into like a stonery sort of vibe every now and again, um, much in the same way as every now and again, I think this does go kind of stonery, but just instead of from an indie world, it comes from a hardcore punk kind of world. I can see this maybe having a bit of crossover potential. And then, yeah, just having more eyes on a band like Haggard Cat because after what happened with Heck, Heck for some reason resonates amongst um, alternative music fans as just the one that got away. There's been a lot of bands over the years who have come and gone and we've been like, man, I wish they they were they were the next best thing. Or for me, it's always been the the filed. Um, but university, it seems like everyone's just as soon as heck get mentioned, gets mentioned. Sorry, everyone just gets really sad because man, we fucking we wasted them, didn't we? They deserve better. So yeah, whatever your idea of success is, I hope Haggard Cat can get it. Um, like I said, this album transformed for me after some headphone listens. I think. Ha Maybe having on headphones because it is there's so much going on just in that one stream of guitar and just trying to pick up all the variables from that. I'm not quite sure, but uh, like I said, things like songs like European Hardware, Human Animal, uh, Time, Rationale, The Natives makes for a, a jolly good album. And yeah. Fun for the whole family. It is Common Sense Holiday. It's by the band Had Haggard Cat. Um, it's out now. Beautifully British. Go support things. Final album of the week. And it's the it's it's the album. It's the one that everyone's been talking about. Um, and if you haven't heard about it so far, where have you been? It is the fourth album from Pittsburgh Hardcore Collective Code Orange. It is called Underneath. Of course, it is the follow-up to Forever, the album in which uh, Code Orange kind of broke the world. They they were in... Um, Try to get my thoughts together. They were a unit that did very aggressive, very in-your-face hardcore. And that borderline on beatdown hardcore. And from that, they then um, brought in more industrial stuff and made it an industrial, metalcore, hardcore, whatever you want to call it, kind of album. And somehow, in that collective of music, they broke mainstream attention bigger than 90% of I think I can't think of another hardcore album that ever hit the mainstream much in the same way as Forever they got Grammy nominations and ended up going to the award ceremony themselves and um, they had billboards thrown up all across California um, during that time that shows off look at this new album from Code Orange um, they got the rub from WWE where they've done music for um, Bray Wyatt as The Fiend. They've also appeared one or two times live from performing music. They had mass mainstream attention from not like the alternative world, say like Metal Hammer, your Kerrang, your Rock Sounds-ish. And then 
all your like like the radio ones sort of world were also getting in on this because they saw that this album was just breaking everything and yeah for a few years the music world was dominated by forever by code orange and inevitably you had to worry about what was going to come next because there's been a lot of albums that follow on from the big one that never quite measure up a lot of people say about Unto the Locust, and as much as I do enjoy that album, it's never going to be quite the same as Blackening. Um, people shit on 21st Century Breakdown. Again, I quite like it, but it's not quite American Idiot. And um, the same way people feel about Insomniac as well, after Dookie. It takes like a very special kind of band to really follow up the big one with another big one i think i'm just trying to think metallica and justice for all is a very very popular album now but i seem to think that i've read somewhere that when it initially came out it was very looked down upon because it was such a difference from master of puppets but i'm not 100 sure on that it's been a while since i've probably gone in the and then the law of um, Metallica but I'm sure someone somewhere knows better than I do um, flicking the album on and you get into that mess of sound of Deeper Than Before that breaks into um, Swallowing the Rubber Hole and all those like worries or fears about how they're going to follow up just completely go um, and it ends up being like it shows refinement, it shows um, evolutions to their industrial hardcore sound. And it is at that point where you realize that there is nothing to worry about when it comes to Code Orange because apparently Code Orange are fucking immortal when it comes to um, this kind of sound. Which I'm not going to say it's unique because. There's bound to be another band somewhere that I've never heard of that also does industrial hardcore. Um, I think I've like, I've listened to industrial hardcore before, but no one has touched it the same way um, Code Orange have. They're like trip hop and like industrial lends itself so well. How they use it works so well with the hardcore they're also putting on top of it. And that stop start like songwriting to do it completely baffles me and i don't know how to do it in a live setting i've never got a chance to see them live but they are creating a huge mystique about them as well it's it's just it's uncanny what they're doing and it is just searingly brilliant and it, it fucking really is they and they better themselves at every single thing they've done that they got praised for on forever they better their versions of like a cutthroat brutality on like you listen to songs like you and you alone um back inside the glass in fear they are visceral they are intense they are just brutally heavy the gothic um gothic metal influences they were touching on forever they've bettered them um so basically what 
leading in the blur walked so that songs like soulful surrounding which is an absolute fucking stunning song um soulful surrounding autumn and carbine and who i am could run those songs the with a lot of it is like reba on lead vocal duties and she does an absolutely incredible job there are times where it does feel like they're stepping into the world of like a typo negative kind of thing um i love love how they've like sequelized um the song the only uh what was it used to be called oh it was the only way yeah they sequelized the only way that was the song that came out as a standalone single for adult swim a couple of years ago great song they sequelized it or sequeled it whatever the proper term is for the only way and then the only way is a fucking kraken song the two ends of the spectrum of like intense brutal hardcore and doomy gloomy gothic metal they smash those worlds together for songs like uh the title track the easy way and a sliver it is everything anyone would want from a a code orange album B, the follow-up to Forever. I think... A lot of people in order waxing lyrical about saying it might be... It's up there for the album of the decade. And album of the year. Saying album of the year, I can kind of see... The prospect... Well, no, I can, can kind of see... I can see the prospect and where they're coming from with that sort of thing, because... As a whole, it's going to take something incredible to have the kind of diversity and have the kind of creativity to outmatch Code Orange. Um, and that's not even including, like, you think 10 years, that's at least another, of the rate they're going, another two or three albums? Maybe four, if they're extra bubbly. Um, but in terms of what's, like, projected for this year so far, I know there's been a lot of talk of um, Trivium, Every Time I Die, and there was another one, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but as much as I do enjoy Trivium and Every Time I Die, I don't think either of them can hold a candle to what Code Orange are doing. I think this is a very, very, very pristinely excellent album. And it is, unfortunately, nothing different to what anyone else has said before because everyone's going absolutely bananas apart from Pitchfork, but Pitchfork can suck my cock. Um, But yeah, I think if you haven't already heard of or at least listened to Code Orange, I think you're missing out on something truly brilliant. Um, I don't think albums or bands like this happen very often. And when you've got talk of people saying, like, who's going to, like, lead uh, the next generation of metal? What's going to happen when your Iron Maidens, your Judas Priests, your uh, Metallicas finally sail off into the sunset? I think you're going to have bands like Code Orange take up that mantle and, like, carry on into into the next generation. The next generation after that. Next generation after that. Very, very good things. Very, very good things indeed. And that will see us through for next week. These were very, very disjointed and very jittery reviews. I do apologise for albums by 
Pyogenesis, Phalanx, Haggard Cat, and Code Orange. Next time you hear from me, you should hopefully hear some reviews for uh, Leech, which I was meant to cover this week, but I didn't. Uh, Svart Crown, Crossed, Cavellatag, and Ishan. I have left myself a lot to do, and it's very, very punky next week. Jesus Christ. Uh, my ears are going to bleed, so enjoy yourselves, have fun, do good things, stay inside. Um, that's pretty much it. See you later.